0: You're listening to the latest sermon from Our Saviour Lutheran Church in Fairham. For more information about Our Saviour Lutheran Church, visit our website at www.oslc.org.uk. o s l c . o r g . u k May God bless you richly through his word. The holy gospel according to Saint Matthew the 3rd chapter. Glory be Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptised by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water and behold the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased this is the gospel of the lord Grace to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Amen. In the churches here, there are two seasons that are fixed in length and two that vary in length. The ones that are fixed in length are the seasons from uh, of Advent. And then the whole long season of Lent and Easter those are always you have the same number of Sundays uh, every year but because the date of Easter moves uh, every year because it's based on the lunar calendar everything else all the other time has to stretch or be compressed to fit into the remaining week so the Trinity season after, the, uh, after Trinity Sunday uh, can be anything so between so 22 and 27 weeks and likewise the season of Epiphany. So when Easter is early, Epiphany season is short and when Easter is late, the Epiphany season is long. So there could be uh, three Sundays in the Epiphany season or there could be six Sundays in the Epiphany season, depending on where Easter falls. And this year, Easter is very early. It's not the earliest it can be, but it's one of the earliest uh, days that Easter falls. And so we have a very short epiphany season, which means that very unusually this year, the Sunday uh, of uh, baptism of Jesus, it will be followed immediately by the transfiguration. Next Sunday is the transfiguration Sunday already, before we then get to the Sunday's name, septuagesima, sexagesima and quinquagesima. That means that on two consecutive Sundays, rather unusually, we have a gospel reading where a voice is heard from heaven. At the baptism of Jesus, as we just heard, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then on Transfiguration Sunday, we hear a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, given that Jesus is the Son of God and that during his earthly ministry he was not and could not be cut off from the Father any more than he could be cut off from himself, we might be surprised that there weren't more voices from heaven. You might have thought that there was regular communication uh, from heaven the father addressing a Jesus, especially since this might be quite an impressive thing for bystanders. Would it not have been the case that Jesus's minister would have been more successful? More people would have believed in him if every time he did or said something or turned up, a voice from heaven was heard, attesting to who Jesus was. All those Pharisees and scribes thinking, who does he think he's? Oh. He must be something, God just spoke, but no in the so-called synoptic Gospels, Matthew Mark and Luke, these are the only two occasions when the voice speaks from heaven in John John in his gospel records two other uh, occasions as well, but given the length of Jesus' life on earth and the length of his ministry three years of ministry and uh, 33 years on earth you might have thought there would have been more than four occasions but seemingly not. And what do those occasions have in common when the voice is heard? The first one his baptism the second one his transfiguration In both occasions we see Jesus being revealed as who he is which is why they are read in the epiphany season the season when Jesus is manifested his true identity is revealed during his earthly ministry but they are also both significant Turning points in Jesus's ministry his baptism begins his earthly ministry and the transfiguration marks the point in Jesus's ministry when he begins to make his way to Jerusalem for the final time so these two Sundays today and next Sunday essentially form the bookends of Jesus's ministry up to the point where he begins to travel to Jerusalem in order to be crucified and to die. Now, it's easy for us to uh, miss that point because the way that the Gospels are written, there's plenty of material after the Transfiguration. There's an awful lot happened between the Transfiguration and the Crucifixion, such that, for example, in Luke's Gospel, the Transfiguration comes well before the halfway point of the Gospel. But in fact, the Transfiguration comes just before the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And we do well, therefore, to he, uh, remember the words, rather the account of the transfiguration as given by Luke. You will remember, and we will as uh, concentrate on this more next week, that with Jesus appeared Moses and Elijah, and they were talking with Jesus. But Luke tells us what they were talking about. They were talking about his departure, the Greek word there is used, exodus, his departure. In other words, when Jesus was transfigured before uh, Peter, James, and John on the mountain, Moses and Elijah appeared, and they were talking about Jesus' coming death. And in that setting, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. It's less obvious, but equally the case, that at his baptism, Jesus is also being prepared exactly for the same thing. For 30 years or so, Jesus lived an anonymous life in Galilee, growing up in his, uh, with his earthly parents, and then living and working amongst his people. But then he came out of anon- anonymity and he began his public ministry. And the beginning of his public ministry began not with a declaration of himself, not with a flashy arrival on the scene or a, or a, a big speech or some action, but it came in an act of humility such that you might have missed it. In fact, the public announcement was done in an anonymous sort of way. That was it not for a voice from heaven, would have been incognita. Jesus did not come on his own platform, but he simply came and submitted himself to the baptism of John. John was the older cousin, he was the famous one, he was not anonymous. He was well known at the time, and his fame and memory of him lasted for many decades after his death. And it would have been quite fair to assume that, say, 20 years after Jesus' death, if you went to a random Jewish community somewhere in the Roman Empire, they were more likely to have heard of John the Baptist than they would have been of Jesus in the early years. And yet we know, because Scripture reveals it to us, and it as history has demonstrated, John was not the greater one. Jesus was the greater one. John was the forerunner. And he himself had said that he was not worthy to stoop down and untie the sandals on Jesus' feet. Because he was the herald, the prophet of the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And yet, Jesus began his public ministry by being baptised by John, the greater being blessed, if you like, by the lesser. And not only that, but the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus behaved as if he were a sinner, when he was not a sinner. He was the one person since the fall who was without sin. No wonder John was reluctant. I will need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? The greater needs to bless the lesser. The sinless one needs to bring cleansing to the sinful one. But Jesus insisted, let it be done. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. The fulfilling of all righteousness, not just John's righteousness or Jesus's righteousness, but all righteousness. Require that Jesus be baptized by John. That Jesus submit himself to the baptism of sinners for repentance. And at this point, where Jesus identifies himself alongside and as one of sinners, the voice from heaven speaks. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. This voice from heaven connects Jesus, first of all, to the very beginning of creation, to another Son of God with whom God was displeased. And again, Luke in his gospel makes this explicit when he gives us the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew's genealogy begins with Abraham and and works down and arrives at Jesus. Luke gives a different different genealogy of Jesus. He begins with Jesus and works backwards. And so his genealogy always reads, such and such, such, son of someone else. And works all the way To Adam, the son of God. So you could say, where did Jesus come from? Well, Jesus came from Mary. Where did she come from? And so on and so on. Where did Adam come from? From God. Adam was, not by eternal nature, but by creation, a son of God. He had no earthly father. He came from God. God. And yet he was ultimately disobedient. He disobeyed God and brought upon himself and upon all his descendants God's displeasure. And so when Jesus, who was sinless, enters into the river Jordan to be baptized alongside all those children of Adam upon whom God's displeasure rested on account of their sin. He therefore indicated that he was now willing and prepared to do God's will, to do it fully, to accomplish all righteousness. That righteousness of God, that is his his, uh, perfect will and design for his creation, in accordance with his own character. Jesus' own righteousness in doing the will of God and the righteousness of mankind in being justified and cleansed of all sin. That all of that might be accomplished. Jesus was baptized by John by a sinner's baptism. Jesus became the bearer of human sin. And God declared, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then the voice was silent for three years until Jesus climbed the Mount of Transfiguration in order to turn his face towards Jerusalem to finally and fully accomplish these things for which he came by dying for the sins of the world. The voice spoke again. This is my beloved son the voice of the Father was heard every time that Jesus came to the point in his life when he could have turned another way. And when he committed himself to death, when he committed himself to being the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And in this was the Father's voice heard. And We're never told explicitly why the father spoke, although we know that we are blessed by knowing that he did and knowing what he said in identifying Jesus as his son. And we can also be certain, I'm sure, that Jesus himself was strengthened and fortified by this. That as he took upon this burden, this unimaginable burden, or bearing this into the world, as he prepared for the way of the cross, to hear the Father's voice in his human ears. This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased, hearing the Father testify, not only to his status, but to the Father's pleasure with him. He was thereby strengthened for the burden that he had to bear. Because when this Jesus had walked to the end of this road and he was pinned on that cross and he himself cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heavens remained silent. In that moment of Christ's crucifixion, God's displeasure His wrath against all sin ever since Adam until the end of the world rested on Jesus and the heavens were silent. And that silence from heaven on the cross was so that there would never again be silence against God, uh, God's people, that there would never again be displeasure from God towards man. But that the voice that was heard at Jesus' baptism and at his transfiguration might forever be heard by others, by the children of Adam. And that voice from heaven, though we do not hear it thundering from the clouds, nevertheless is heard. At the baptism of each of you, God spoke. Declared you to be His, and He declared that He was now pleased with you, that you were beloved of Him, because the righteousness of God, that uh, the full, the full righteousness that Jesus had accomplished by His obedience, including the death on the cross, had now made you righteous. You were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ so that none of your sins were no longer longer counted against you. And God can now say of you, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And at the last day, when like on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' glory was shown, you will be glorified at the last day. The voice of the Heavenly Father can say at the last judgment, welcome, my beloved son, my daughter, with you I am well pleased. Jesus is the firstborn of God's salvation. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the firstfruits of God's salvation. But in naming him the first, Scripture therefore indicates that others must follow. And we are those others. The things that Jesus experienced, the things that Jesus was declared to be, those things are also ours by promise. His flesh is like our flesh. But now our spirit is His spirit. And our life is lived by his life. Like Jesus, we are called to carry our crosses, to deny ourselves, to confess his name, even if it costs us our lives. But like Jesus, we have the sure promise of God's pleasure and therefore the forgiveness of sins and therefore of resurrection to eternal life and therefore of eternal glory and honour in God's kingdom. And this we know, because Jesus himself made it so. And the voice from heaven on the mountain transfiguration made clear how we have access to these blessings. It said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. And Jesus himself promised to his disciples when he sent them out to preach his word that whoever hears you, hears me. And whoever hears me, hears the one who sent me. The voice does come from heaven, just not directly. God has given to the church the office of preaching the word and administering the sacraments. And by that office, The voice of Jesus is heard in the church and by the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Father is heard in the church. And so that the promise of the gospel that is made in the word generally is specifically applied to each of you by the minister minister that God has sent to you. Therefore, I can assure you that the forgiveness that you hear pronounced to you by your minister is god's forgiveness it is the voice of jesus declaring to you and the voice of the father declaring to you your sins are forgiven with you i am well pleased when you were baptized by a minister of the church you were baptized by a servant of jesus christ who was acting on behalf of god himself to declare to you that you are now a child of God. And by the preaching of the word, when the word is preached to you, it is Jesus who is speaking to you by means means of his humble servant. And by the preaching of the gospel, faith is created. And whoever believes and is baptized, whoever has faith and is baptized into Christ, will be saved. There is no condemnation, there is no wrath, there is no displeasure left to fall upon you when you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you because the displeasure and wrath of God was all spent on Christ on the cross. And when he was raised to new life, the wrath of God was left in the grave. And all who are his had been baptized into his death and into his resurrection. So that just as Jesus was baptized into our sins, we are now baptized into his holiness and righteousness. And as, as he was baptized in order to die, we were baptized in order that we might live. We have a gracious Father. Father who not only created us and supplies us with all that we need for this body and life but who does not wish to see the wicked perish but that they turn and they live and that the sinners might be turned and that they might live the son of God entered into our humility entered into our life and he took our sins upon himself And by his death, we have life. By his resurrection, we have hope. And because he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, all that he has and all that he is, he now administers for the salvation of his people, for the growth and advance of his kingdom, for the benefit of his church, which is his body and of which he is the head. Never again will God be silent. Never again with God will God withdraw His good will and pleasure from us. In Christ, all righteousness is fulfilled for us, and even by the grace of God, now in us. And so, children of God. Continue to heed and seek to hear the word of God. Continue to seek places where that word is read and preached and proclaimed and administered. So that the life of Christ may continue to take form in you. So that just as Christ was prepared and strengthened for his ministry by the voice of the Father from heaven, you might be prepared and strengthened and encouraged and emboldened by the promises of God's word for you so that your hope might be fully established until the day of Jesus Christ when we see him face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.